I didn't say this earlier. Uh, it just seems like it's been so long ago, but Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I mean, we're already like a week into the year, and I was, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm older or getting older. Some of you are younger than me. Some of you are older than me, but I know that time just seems to move a lot faster uh, and, you know, before we know it, we're going to be sitting here and it's going to be 2019. And it, it just, time keeps plugging away. Uh, and sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not as good. But as we start into this new year, we are going to engage together during this month of January our vision of what God has called us to, at least as we look at 2018, and, and then our stewardship regarding uh, that vision. And one thing that you'll probably have seen popped up, at least uh, some already, is this. We've kind of got a new logo that we're working with and, and our tagline there of changing lives, loving others, growing followers. And that, as we move into this new year, is, is what is going to drive us forward. And so during this month of January, we're going to unpack that a little bit more and try to give you an understanding of, okay, that sounds wonderful, but what does it look like as First Baptist Hanford? And, and then what is that going to mean for me as part of First Baptist Hanford? Well, uh, hopefully at the end of the month you will be able to put some legs and feet to that. But I'm excited. I'm excited about uh, what God has for us. And there's some things that I've been thinking about, things that have been on my mind as we've moved from 2017 into 2018. I'm in a unique spot uh, as, as I give leadership to the church here. You are in a unique spot as you are part of a church that is in a, a unique season of life. And, and unique not being a negative thing, just recognizing that this is where we're at and that God... Uh, has a plan for us. And so there's some things that I've been thinking about. And the first is this. I am genuinely excited about where God has led us. Uh, he is preparing, He is positioning us for a new season of ministry in this community. And we need to be excited about that. This is nothing that's going on amongst us uh, in our lives is is a mistake. God is on the throne. He is sovereign and he is leading us and preparing us for what he has next for us. And I'm genuinely excited about that. Now that doesn't not mean it will not be, uh, that there won't be challenges, uh, but God is faithful. And let me just give you some examples of God's faithfulness. First of all, I, I don't have the exact numbers, but I, you need to know that we have wiped out any deficit that we had in 2017 and we're starting the year with a surplus of dollars in the bank because of your faithfulness as you've been giving. God is faithful. As we started, I think it was November, we were close to $50,000 uh, in the red and we finished in the black. So God is faithful. Okay, God is faithful. I was down here yesterday uh, when the worship team uh, was uh, rehearsing. And I was reminded of the teachers. Some of you just in the first hour sat uh, with someone that was teaching. Uh, we have leaders that lead us musically, lead us in other ways. We have uh, faithful servants that serve really unknown to you in, in various ways. And so God is faithful. This doesn't, it may appear sometimes that, man, that Jeff's got it all together. Look how, you know, he stands up there and it all just happens. 
It all just happens. Trust me, it does not all just happen, certainly not because of anything that I do. It's, it's people that have chosen to say, you know what, this is my church home. This is the place where I'm going to land, where I'm going to grow, where I'm going to serve. And as we do that together, God is faithful. That's where God's, in my mind, that's where God's faithfulness is demonstrated, as God's people step up. And so you may be saying, hey, you know what, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to find a spot where I can do something to help move the church forward. I would love to talk with you about that. I'm excited about where God has led us. Second thing I've been thinking about, it's essential that we understand our role as a church in our world today. Things are changing. I think all of us would recognize as we look at the world around us and we reflect on even, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, the world is a different place. And so we have to recognize the role of the church within our world. And we are on God's mission. God has called us as a church to his mission in the world. And in that sense, we really need to embrace the role of missionary. Even in North America, we have to recognize that we are missionaries among a people that in, in many ways, shapes, and forms have left a Christian view of the world behind. And so we, that's what's going to make it challenging as a church. And, and we need to understand our role as a mission organization uh, in the world around us. And so we're sitting right now in the middle of the mission field that God's called us to. And thirdly, uh, I've just been recognizing that the traditional ways in which we have engaged our community need to be reconsidered. I do, that doesn't mean we have to get rid of them, but I think we need to reconsider some of the things that we've done and say, you know what, do we need to do things differently? And this is the journey that we're on together, that we're, that we're recognizing that we need to reconsider some of the things that maybe I did when I was first in ministry 30-some years ago. I need to, I need to re- rethink those and think about how I could do some things differently. But we recognize that our message doesn't change. And we recognize that the people around us, even those that aren't, are not believers or would not call themselves Christians, they have families, they have jobs, they have all the same points of contact that we have. So we have a context in which we can reach out to people right around us with the good news message that God has given us. And so all that being said, that gives us I think, a reason to be excited about where God has placed us as a church body. So during this month of January, we are going to be looking at two important things. We're, we're going to be looking at our vision and our vision of changing lives, loving others, growing followers. This is what I believe God has called us to in this season, that we want to see lives transformed and changed, and we want to see people loved, and we want to see people growing as they follow Jesus as disciples. And secondly, during this month, we want to look at the idea of stewardship. How do we manage our resources in a way that are directly connected to what God has called us to? If it's changed lives and loving others and growing followers, then our resources need to be funneled to that very thing, to seeing lives changed, to seeing people loved, and to see people grow as they follow Jesus. So I want to ask you a question, and I think it's an important question uh, that each of us needs to ask about our own resources. And here's the question. When you think about investing your resources, your time, your money, your abilities, the things you're passionate about, when you think about 
investing your resources, do you see it as an obligation or do you see it as a way of resourcing the vision God has given us? Because that's two separate things. If you see the time that you serve here at the church as an obligation, if you see the use of your finances as you give an offering as an obligation, then, then we've, got the wrong, we've got the wrong perspective and the wrong vision. When I give, when I serve, when I use my resources, I'm investing my resources in seeing lives changed. Now, it's, it's um, if, if we find ourselves saying, well, I'm giving, you know, to cover the cost of running the church or to pay the electric bill. Now, we have an electric bill that we have those things. But if, if, that's, if that's the approach I take as I invest my resources, then I'm missing the point. If I recognize that I'm giving to see lives transformed because of the message that's being proclaimed in the ministry of, of my church, then I've got the perspective right. If I recognize that it's, it's the, the gospel, it's the good news of the witness uh, or the love of Jesus Christ and asking people to e- embrace that and come to understand that, then I'm getting my perspective right. And so when I invest myself, when I invest my dollars, when I invest my time, when I serve, I'm giving to that end. And that changes everything. That changes everything. And, and the passage I want us to look at this morning, I believe, touches on this in two specific ways. And so Paul was one of the, the early church leaders, and he wrote a letter to the, to the church in Corinth. And I want you to find 2 Corinthians this morning in your Bible. <clears throat> We're going to look at uh, just uh, three or four verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you'd find that, uh, I'm going to read it and, and help us to recognize that Paul touched on this very thing. He touched on the, that, that he had a vision of what God was doing and it was driving him forward. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 14. Here's what it says. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Man, I love that passage. I love that passage. It reminds me of why we do what we do. And as we look at what Paul was saying to the Corinthians, is we have to understand that when we encounter the gospel and when you yourself came to recognize who Jesus was, everything changed. Everything changed. And so I want you to pause for a second, and I just want you to think about it this morning. If you will call yourself a believer, a follower of Christ, I want you to think about for a moment at least one way in which your life is different now than it was before you knew Christ. Or at least one way in which your life is different than what you see happening in the world around you. Think about that for a second. How is your life as a follower of Christ, as, as a, a person that's put their faith in Jesus, how is it different because of that faith? 
Because this story of God's love and forgiveness changes everything. This is not just a future hope. It is that. But it's not just that. It's the, 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 the fact is that Jesus, our faith in Jesus, is changing our life right here, right now, today. It changes everything. And it's for everyone. It's not just this, it's not just for certain people. This message is for everyone. And so it's essential that we understand that and that we recognize what God's doing in our life and we talk about what God is doing in our life. I'm going to get to that in a second. So let's look at this passage a little bit more closely. Paul was writing to a church in Corinth, and this was a church that he wrote at least two letters to. Uh, some scholars believe he wrote as many as four letters, but we only have two of them. And if you have ever read 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, you would recognize that this church that Paul was writing to had some issues. And he was addressing some of the issues. And, we have, and we're recognizing that this was happening. Paul probably wrote this letter in the year 55, between 55 and 60 A.D. So the church at this point is probably about 30 years old, go, going through some growing pains. A generation has come through, you know, and Paul's starting to see some things that need to be addressed. And so that's what he, he does in 1 Corinthians and he does again in 2 Corinthians. But when he gets to this particular uh, section of, of 2 Corinthians, he addresses, I, I believe, two specific ways in which we see him talking about lives being changed. And that's where we want to land this morning, is talking about changed lives. As you think about your own life and the transformation that's happened in your own life. So he says this. Let me read it again. For Christ's love compels us, we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So the first thing I want to touch on is a changing motivation. Paul says that Christ's love is what compels me. What's the alternative? If Christ's love doesn't compel me, what compels me? I want to suggest the change that happens in our life, the first change that he's addressing here, is the change from me being self-driven to God-driven. That it's a change in my motivation. Living for myself versus living for Christ by serving others. That's what Paul's addressing here. Now, I think our natural tendency is to live for ourselves. I think if we look around, in fact, I did a little bit of looking uh, this week on the, this idea of living for ourselves. And, and one of the, the key things that, we, that comes through often, even subtly, sometimes it's right in our face, but other times it's more subtle, is that uh, the goal for life is that you should be happy. That you, as long as you're happy, everything's fine. That should be your goal, is, is to be happy. And really, anything else, anything that you need to do to pursue that goal is okay. Because that you deserve it. You deserve to be happy. And so, as a result, we live for our own selves. Now, there's some problems with that. The problem is, it's, it's a never-ending process, isn't it? It's just like a merry-go-round. Uh, our, our desires are such that we just kind of get into this uh, rat race of trying to keep ourselves happy, and it's never fulfilling. I'm going to always feel like I could do more or I should do more. 
I should be doing more. Uh, there's, I have difficulty measuring up to my own standards or to the standards of others. I become both the boss and the servant. I'm creating the desire and then I'm trying to fulfill it at the same time. And it's not manageable. It's not manageable when I'm living for myself. So as a result, I'm perpetually dissatisfied. And I believe the reason that this is, is this is not the way we were designed to live. We were not designed to pursue our own desires. God, God knew better than that. He knew that real fulfillment came as we yielded ourselves and we, we said no to self and allowed God to work in our life. And so there's a changing motivation. This, um, this idea of then living for myself, if we wanted to reword this passage, it would probably sound something like this. The love of Christ, the love that Christ showed for us, compels me to love and serve you. Because when he died, sin's penalty was paid. And we died to the self-life. While through his resurrection, we live to please him by serving you. That's the change. That, if we recognize what's happening here is once we recognize what God has done for us, it changes my motivation. It's no longer about me, but it's because of what God has done in showing his love in the person of Jesus that changes how I live my life. Is this only in 2 Corinthians? It's not. In, in uh, Galatians chapter 2, Paul again says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. He says it again in Romans. He says, we have died to sin so that I can, can live for Christ. This is a theme that runs through the New Testament. So I want to ask you this question this morning. How would you characterize, how would you describe your motivation? What motivates you? What energizes your life? What generates enthusiasm in your life? Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? What do you talk about with others? What's your motivation? What moves your life forward? And I want you to be honest about that because this is an important thing for us to come to terms with. If it's my job, if it's my family, and, and none of these things I'm mentioning are, are bad things, but if, if this is the thing that drives my life forward, if this is where I get what energizes me or what, what brings or where I'm seeking fulfillment, we're going to, going to find that it's misplaced. What is your motivation? How would you describe your motivation? Because Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 that when we are in Christ, when we come to faith in Christ, we are a new creation. What is old is gone. What is new is here. God wants to do a new thing in us. Does that mean I quit my job? Does that mean I stop being a parent? Of course not. Doesn't mean any of those things. Does it mean I have a new motivation for how I do those things? Absolutely it does. Absolutely it does. It's going to change how I live and work and how I engage the world around me. We have a new changing motivation. Secondly, we have a changing perspective. In verses 16 and 17, he says, we no longer regard, we, uh, 
So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Changing perspective. Our perspective is going from a very physical, worldly perspective to seeing more as God sees. My man Garrett Jones this week on his Instagram feed uh, posted a verse from 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. It wasn't this particular version of, that I'm going to read, but the, the idea is the same. 1 John 2, verse 16 says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. So we recognize that there's two perspectives at war with us. There is this worldly perspective that is very much driven by what I see, what I feel. It's very sensual. It's driven by senses. It's driven by my desires. It's driven by greed. It's driven by pride. It's what I want to accomplish. That is very much where the world comes from. And that is my natural bent. If I'm left to myself, that's what I'm going to pursue. And so John, when he was writing in 1 John, says... That doesn't come from God. That comes from the world, that kind of thinking. So we have the worldly perspective. It's also very temporary. And when we think of the way God sees, we recognize that God sees spiritually what's happening. God sees from an eternal perspective, not just a temporal, but an eternal perspective. And God's perspective brings contentment rather than a consistent striving to try to accomplish. So I don't know if you do this. I don't do this all the time. I don't want to make it sound like this is something that, uh, that I do anytime I see strangers or whatever. But often when I pull up some, next to somebody in my car or I see someone standing on the corner, I will consciously be reminded that that's someone that God loves. You know, I may not ever speak to them or know them, but that's a, that's a person that Christ died for. That is somebody that God wants to have a relationship with. And so if we take that, so that's a stranger, but if we recognize that the people that live on either side of me or either side of you, the people that work with you, these are people that God loves. And our perspective needs to change. That when we come from a worldly perspective and we recognize things from just a temporal, physical perspective, That is so short-sighted. And Paul is saying that when we come to Christ, our perspective changes. Our motivation changes and our perspective changes. Lives are changed as we come to Christ. So, what is the agent? What's the change agent here? What's the agent of, of this change? Well, it's the gospel. What causes this to happen? It's the gospel of Jesus. It's the good news story of Jesus. That Jesus came, that Jesus died He was raised again so that I can have forgiveness of sin and I can have this new life. It's not anything that I drum up in myself. It's something that God is doing in me through the message of forgiveness, through the message of new life in Christ, through the message of the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. That's the agent that brings about this change in our life. And then lastly... What's the message? Well, the message is, the message of change is not try harder. Just try harder. Just be a better person. The message is not, uh, here's the checklist. Complete this checklist and everything's going to be fine. That's not the message. It's also not a message of, of earning God's favor or earning 
God's love. That's not the message. The message is quite the opposite. The message is God's grace is sufficient. God's love is unconditional. It's not based on what you accomplish or what you do. And, and that's the message the world needs to hear. The message is God's power working in me and allowing my life to change. It's nothing that I've tried harder to accomplish in my life. This is all because of what God is doing in me. As people see a change in me, if they see a change in me, I should say when they see a change in me, it's because of the power of God demonstrated in my life. It is nothing that I've accomplished, nothing that you've accomplished. It's a message of God's power working through us. And then lastly, it's a message that we're God's representatives in this world. God could have chosen a lot of different ways for the truth to be proclaimed in the world. And I've said this before from this very spot. If I was God, I would have chosen a different way, most likely. But God didn't. God chose to use us, his church, his people, to take the message to the world. So we need to recognize the change that's happening in my life, the changed motivation that's happening in my life. I need to recognize the changed perspective that I have that I no longer see in a physical, temporal way, but I'm seeing spiritually and eternally. I need to recognize that the agent of change, that God's worked in my life, his power has changed me, and that I have a message to proclaim. So I want to finish this morning with this idea of stewardship. So stewardship of vision. If, if our vision is beginning with a changed life, stewardship of vision is, looks like this. If our vision is to see lives change, that we're, seeing, we're discerning God's direction. And, and we're beginning to shape now a strategy of what God wants to do, us to do as a church. He, we're looking to develop a, a plan, and, and we want to join God in the work that he's doing. So we recognize that God's in the business of changing lives. That's his business, and, and he's choosing to use us. The stewardship of this vision is joining God in that work. And so I, this month and this morning, I want to extend to you the invitation to join God and to join us in the work that he's calling us to do. The work of seeing lives changed, both our lives, your life, as well as those that God will bring across our path. Those that God will bring to us as a church, those that God will bring across your path in the community, that we're praying that God would use us to see lives changed. That others would be loved. Those sitting right among you this morning, that we, would, that we would extend love to one another as we're in this community together and as we would also learn what it means to love those in the community around us, outside these four walls, that we would learn that God wants us to love others and that we would be growing followers. Personally, that we would be growing in our own personal faith, but also that we would see more and more people coming into a relationship with God by faith in this place, and that God would use us to grow his church. Ultimately, this is God's work. I was just talking with Mike Watkins this morning about this. This, I, I, this tension between where does my work start and God's work begin? Well, 
there's, there's this recognition that, that God does call me to, to live in a certain way. But ultimately, this changing lives, this is God's work. But we have a part in it. And God is allowing us to see just glimpses of what he's doing in lives around us. And as a church, as we embrace this call to change lives, God wants to use us on this mission and to see people come into the kingdom of God because of what we're doing here. So I invite you, my invitation, our invitation to you is that you would join us in what God's called us to do, to see lives change because of the good news story of Jesus. God, we are grateful. Thank you for the truth of the gospel. It's a mystery, God, how, you, how you're able to, how you intervene in, in people's lives. And it's also humbling to recognize that you have invited us to do so, to be a part of this. We don't want to shy away from it. We don't want to step back from it. We want to recognize that you've chosen to use us as a body. God, I'm so thankful for those that have embraced this call to be a part of your, your body, to be a part of your family. And so we desire, God, to see lives changed by the good news of Jesus. Start with us. Start with us. God, we thank you. Amen. This morning as we finish, we're, we're, we will revisit the song we sang earlier about Jesus being the cornerstone of our life. Would you stand? Make this your prayer as we finish up our service this morning. Marcia, we're going to sing it from the, from the two choruses to the end. Hey, this morning as you leave, if there's an issue uh, that you just would look, like to pray with somebody, uh, my man Sam McKenzie will be over here, and I've asked Janice Hansen to be over here at the side of the stage. Don't leave. If there's, an, if there's something you need prayer for, they would love to, um, 
And I'll pray with you. I'll be here at the front as well. Uh, but go with the understanding that God goes with you. And we're on a mission. We're on a mission. God, thanks for today. Would you bless us as we go? Would we go in the confidence that you go with us, that your Holy Spirit empowers us to be your people, and that as we reflect on the changes that you're making in our life, we would live in a different way so people would be drawn to know you in a deeper way. God, we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.